Physics World. Hello, and welcome to the Physics World Weekly Podcast. I'm Hamish Johnston. In this episode, we look at how a quantum sensor developed in a university lab has been used to create a lightweight brain scanner. And we also explore the relationship between quantum startup companies and the firms that provide them with the funds needed to develop their products. Earlier this year, Circuit Magnetics won the inaugural IOP QBIG Prize for Quantum Innovation, which is awarded by the UK's Institute of Physics and sponsored by Quantum Exponential PLC. To talk about Circa's technology, I'm joined down the line from Nottingham by the company's director, David Wolger. Also with us is Stuart Nickel, who is Chief Investment Officer at Quantum Exponential, and he's based in London. Hi, David and Stuart. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Hamish. Hi, thanks for having me. So, David, um, Circumagnetics uses quantum physics to create a device for scanning the brain. Can you tell us a little bit about the technology and how it's used? Yes, I certainly can. So, circumagnetics use optically pumped magnetometers for magnetoencephalography. That's a bit of a mouthful. Basically, uh, magnetoencephalography is uh, shortened to MEG. And what we're doing in this is looking at functional brain imaging. So, MRI would look at the brain structure. We're actually looking at the functional activity within different elements of the brain. So when you move your uh, right hand, your left motor cortex would have activities and neurons would be uh, firing in that motor cortex. And with our technology, we're able to see that. The way this works is that we actually can uh, see the magnetic field within the within the brain. So those the firing of neurons causes an electrical field. We actually look for the ele- uh, for the magnetic field uh, from this. Uh, the technology has a benefit over EEG, which does look for the uh, electrical pulses. The reason being that the electrical pulses are in impacted by the skull, whereas the magnetic field passes cleanly through the skull. Uh, we This means we get greater, a greater sensitivity and spatial time uh, uh, sensitivity and spatial uh, resolution as well from the technology. And David, what stage are you in terms of development? Do, do you have a product on the market or are you still uh, developing the scanner? I mean, I know that, that timeframes can be very long for, for medical applications. So the team uh, began working on this back in 2015, uh, and we were lucky enough to get one of the first commercially available OPMs, optically pump magnetometers, for doing these studies in 2016-17. We've then developed to the point where we had a 50 sensor system in 2020. The team at the University of Nottingham, the Sir Peter Mansfield Imaging Centre at the University of Nottingham, had a 50 sensor system. 
it was at this point that we decided the technology was ready to commercialize. So we actually in 2020 started to offer a integrated neuroimaging system to the market. We have this, this system is a research uh, system at the moment. We don't have clinical approval in any market. This means our current customer base is research centers and they're using the integrated circuit system for things like looking at early epilepsy assessment and autism and really trying to develop the technology to understand the potential applications for it. We have been lucky enough in the first two years that we've been trading to have implemented systems at Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto in Canada, a system at Boys Town Hospital in Nebraska, and a system at Young Epilepsy in uh, the UK. Young Epilepsy are also working with Great Ormond Street and obviously Great Ormond Street are one of the leading children's uh, hospitals in the UK. Uh, all of these centres uh, are using the system to really start to develop applications for the technology. So uh, sick kids in Toronto are looking at autism, Young epilepsy are clearly looking at epilepsy and they're going through the process to get ethical approval, etc., to be able to use our technology to do that. And so, David, what's next for the company? Are you, are you going to remain focused on, on getting the scanner um, into clinical use? Um, or are you also exploring other applications for your sensing technology? So the key thing for Circa is the potential societal benefit that this technology can have. We feel at this point the biggest societal benefit will be to have a clinically approved device that can be used ubiquitously across hospitals. The first thing we're looking at is clinical approval for epilepsy. So. OPM Meg, I, I didn't explain in the first uh, question, actually replaces a thing called Squid Meg, which is using superconducting quantum interference devices. These old Meg systems were big, heavy, unwieldy. It was one size fits all. Effectively, it was very, very hard to scan the patient cohort you most wanted to use Meg for, which is potentially young children and people with neurological conditions. Our system allows free movement during a scan. So we are scanning, we are looking for fields that are 10,000 times lower than the Earth's field. To do that, you need a very, very controlled magnetic environment, but you also need to uh, be able to have a low gradient. So when there's movement within a field, we were able to see the actual sources from in, within the brain rather than uh, noise from within the shielded room. So we are firstly looking at epilepsy approval and it's really going to make a big difference to children with epilepsy potentially that uh, where previously they've had drug resistant epilepsy, they've not been able to be treated by drugs. And we're working with young epilepsy 
and through them Great Ormond Street in the UK in order to look at whether this technology can be integrated into the clinical pathway for epilepsy treatment. That's a key aim for Circa. Uh, but we are also looking at other applications for the technology. So there's a group in Arkansas in the US who are starting to use some of our technology for fetal imaging, for example. So you can look at fetal heart rates, but you can also potentially do fetal MEG. That's very difficult because you need to control out the noise from the mother and, and things, but it's potentially possible. There's also applications that are developing around using this for muscle imaging. And effectively, there's a wide variety of applications for this type of imaging. A bit like MRI in the early stages when Sir Peter Mansfield developed that technology in Nottingham, this is very much in its nascent stage. And as we continue to work and we work with some of the centres of excellence, it, it's interesting for us as a team, but also the wider sort of community to see where this technology can go and how it can be used. And we're really very much reliant on experts to take our technology and to use it in a way that delivers the most benefit to uh, health conditions. And David, the the focus on on childhood diseases, um, does that tie into this idea of of motion in the sense that, um, I mean, it's difficult to get kids to to stay still at the best of times, and I would imagine when they're having a scan, <laughs> it can be even more difficult. Is that is that the idea why you're focusing on children, um, be, be, essentially to to come up with a way of doing a scan where they don't have to to sit perfectly still? Yes. So when we started working with young epilepsy, it was very interesting to hear from the parents of children with with uh, severe epilepsy. We're talking two to three fits a day that are totally uncontrollable. And they were having previous state of the art was they were having to bring their children in and they have the EEG electrodes stuck to their head. And it's a scary process. Our system has a helmet that looks like a bike helmet in pretty colors. We've 3D printed them. We've done a lot of work with end users, the uh, clinicians and also the patients to try and make sure our system is open and inviting to children so they can even take the colorful helmets home to play with. What that's meant is that we've been able to scan a patient cohort that haven't previously been able to be scanned in an existing squid meg type system and where they have been scanned in EEG type systems the data fidelity is less than we've been able to provide so it's definitely our key focus is the childhood diseases and we we feel as a company this is where we will make the biggest impact quickest there was some great work done in, in by a group uh, led by Xavier de Tiga in Brussels, and he has actually been able to scan a patient while they've had an epileptic seizure. Again, something that is incredibly difficult to do, and the, the data that you're getting from that is obviously something that really excites the neuroscientists. It's not something that they've previously been able to get in any 
they have been able to get in some ways, but it, not in as easily as we've we've been able to get with with these systems. Wow, that's that's really interesting, David. Um, so, Stuart, uh, as someone who nurtures new businesses, what do you find appealing about circus technology and its business model? Yeah, um, I, I mean, you can hear there's a there's a deep, you know, personal um, desire for people to improve um, the, the life of epilepsy sufferers and and understand it more quickly. Which I've I've done some other deals in this sector as well, so I kind of have had that knowledge already and even as a first aider i've helped a couple of people who've had fits in the past so you know um, clearly you know it's a great goal to aim for um this is also going to be a, a pretty significant market um you know and and probably like mri can grow into many other markets once it's uh, the, the product matures um from the point of view of um the quantum business innovation and growth group which um is the IOP group with which my company, Quantum Exponential, sort of sponsored this prize, then it's a you know it's a it's a great way to 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 see a business which is taking pretty new advances in technology and getting them into commercialization pretty pretty quickly, um, and then hopefully be able to grow a big market. So there's a there's a lot of lot of great things in there. And, and Stuart, as well as, as bagging £10,000 in prize money and gaining access to the Institute of Physics Accelerator workspace, um, Circa will also get 10 months of mentoring from you and your colleagues at Quantum Exponential. Can you give us an idea of, um, of what that is going to involve? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, uh, I've been involved in venture capital for over 20 years now, but always on the side, I've run both pro bono mentoring, coaching and some some paid coaching. And I like to bring that into the portfolio companies I invest with or other interesting businesses. So um, it's David and I have spoken about this and it's going to be hopefully be quite a bespoke program for him and his team to hopefully set up the, the, the right um, uh Thinking as a leadership team, you know, how, how do you want to state your vision and mission so that, that you can hire in the best new candidates and you get a bit more mission command in your activity rather than, you know, it being hierarchical. And also, um, you know, what? how do you make sure that there, there's not one a gap in this journey? How do you ensure that the, uh, the, the, the cash is is working alongside the level of marketing you need alongside the level of business development and product development you need such that the business can expand um with whilst reducing the risks of um any one of those things sort of uh, causing it to misstep and, and Stuart, um i probably don't need to tell you that quantum technologies are very hot at the moment um in terms of business opportunity and investment um, what parts of the quantum sector are of particular interest to you and your colleagues at Quantum Exponential? Yeah, so we, we've um, taken a, a, a broad view with the initial investments. We've got uh, seven, seven investments in uh, quantum at the, at the moment. Well, six, about to be seven. Um, and there's a mix of quantum computing in there, uh, quantum security and uh, quantum sensing. Um, so we're trying to keep that balanced and we're going out to raise a hundred million pound fund at the moment. Um, when we have that in place, we'll also look at the supply chain for quantum as well. Um, it is getting slightly more robust, but there's, there's still 
quite a lot needs to happen. And especially as unfortunately the world has become um, slightly more polarized, um, then people are looking to ensure that their, their supply. Um, so I think particular interest for us, we, we always want to be a, a pre-seed, seed series A investor. And that means finding technologies that are spinning out from typically uh, places of learning, but also hopefully, you know, begin to be uh, corporates as well and try and kind of nurture them from the early stage, again, with, you know, something like the Cupid Group uh, working alongside them. Well, that's really interesting, uh, David and Stuart. Um, best of luck in, in progressing things at Circa Magnetics. And thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having us, Hamish. It was very good to speak to you. There's lots more about business and innovation on the Physics World website. This includes the monthly transactions column by James McKenzie, who looks at the many ways that physics intersects with the world of commerce. His latest column is called Here's Why Tax Credits for Research and Development Are Vital for Physics-Based Businesses. And you can find it and all of our industry coverage in the Business and Innovation section of the Physics World website. In 2021, Giorgio Parisi bagged the Nobel Prize for Physics for his work on complex systems. This left many people wondering exactly what complex systems are and how they're studied by scientists. Now, the Italian physicist has written a short book that seeks to answer those questions. The book has the wonderful title, In a Flight of Starlings, The Wonder of Complex Systems, and it's been reviewed in Physics World by the science writer Philip Ball. Does Parisi succeed in bringing complexity science to the masses? Ball isn't convinced, but he doesn't think that matters. Writing, the book attains considerable charm and accessibility with its acute insights into the virtues and vicissitudes of doing science led purely by curiosity. Ball says that another attraction of Parisi's book is its frank discussion of how scientists arrive at ideas as much by intuition as by deduction. Parisi describes how breakthrough moments in his research often occurred during reverie or even sleep. However, Parisi is clear that such eureka moments only come after periods of intense but seemingly fruitless focus on the problem at hand. You can find the review on the Physics World website. Just look for the headline, Giorgio Parisi, the Nobel Prize winner whose complex interests stretch from spin glasses to starlings. I'm afraid that's all the time we have for this week's podcast. Thanks to Stuart Nickel and David Wolger for joining me today. And a special thanks to our producer, Fred Isles. We'll be back again next week when we'll be chatting to a social scientist about units of measurement and how they've been shaped by the human experience. And we'll also talk about what is shaping up to be the biggest film ever about a physicist. Oppenheimer.
In the meantime, check out the latest episode of the Physics World Stories podcast, which looks at some of the new technologies that could soon be used to create even more powerful computers. Host Andrew Glester is joined by three experts who look at how new paradigms such as optical and quantum-based computing could play key roles in the future of computing. That podcast is called Moore's Law in Peril and the Future of Computing, and you can find it and all episodes of the Stories podcast on the Physics World website or at your favorite podcast provider. Physics World.